0: Alright, Audacity's rolling. I got my root beer
1: bubbly. We're good to roll. Root beer, huh? Root beer. Sarsaparilla. What? <laughs> you got. Hey, friend, you got any good sarsaparilla? I can't remember what it is. The one in the. in Bigelbow scheme.
0: <laughs> it's been years since i've seen big lebowski that used to be your jam used to be (laughs) it's okay
1: well when's the last time you watched it (laughs) it's been a while (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that was a that was a go-to movie for a good while yeah really brings the room together god dang it I don't have one of my trademark catchy phrases to get you in the mood.
0: Oh, no. What are we going to do then?
1: I don't know. Do you want me to tell, tell nice things about you?
0: Um, sure.
1: Danny, I think you're pretty.
0: Oh, Well, thank you. <laughs> you feel better? I do feel, feel better. You feel ready to record? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I like your buzz cut, Alex. Alex is rocking the buzz cut now, guys.
1: Yeah. You know, when you don't want to go to the haircut place and you own the set of clippers, you're just going to go for it. Man, All I've right? been doing
0: that for like over a decade now. Even before I went with the whole bald look, I was doing that.
1: The buzz mm-hmm.
0: cut is efficient. It is. I remember the first time I was like, I didn't have my own clippers and Brandon Thomas did them in his
1: basement. Nice. <laughs> what, what a brother. you know oh happy founders day by the way
0: heck yeah a day late, belated founders day well you're not even on social media to see stuff anymore but
1: no i got a card in the mail i'm a life loyal symphonian so i got a card that was my next question
0: because i knew i saw some people i got
1: them Mm -hmm.
0: i haven't updated my address in a couple years since i moved so, I
1: don't know. It's pretty hard to stay in good standing with a fraternity nowadays, so <laughs> I'm not going to say what you need to do. Like, we're all, I think we're all just going to get by for a while. Wait, wait for a new generation, and then we'll figure out how we get back in good standing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still finding the mood myself. Still getting into this. I feel like I'm one third of the way through my tea, and I really hit my stride about you know, three quarters of the way in. Uh, okay. We've got a few minutes to kill here before we have good content to post. Oh, uh, okay. It's what the kids want. Content. The content. The content. hmm
0: I mean, I just woke up, so.
1: <laughs> it's early for you. It's so early.
0: I didn't, it was like a 15-minute nap. It wasn't even. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to, well, didn't even like lay down. I just like, can- put my head on my table here.
1: Did you sleep last night? Were you anxious?
0: No, I wasn't nervous at all. I slept fine. I mean, yeah. I did go to bed at like 2 a.m. just
1: because my sleep schedule was messed up. Right.
0: So, I didn't get my nine hours of sleep that I'm accustomed to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gotta fit that nap in. So, what? Like, what's your actual bedtime going to be now? Do you, do you have to like really... Is it a full-on school schedule on days that you're going to work? Actually, that hasn't even been established yet. <laughs> well, what are we talking, it's, listener? Um, Danny has a job again.
0: Yeah, I think we we might have mentioned it. Maybe not. I am a school resource coordinator at a elementary school uh, just north of Louisville, and I'll be helping, you know, distribute donations, organize volunteers, just odds and ends too for the school. It sounds a lot like I'm just going to be kind of jumping in and filling in gaps for a lot of things.
1: Which I think is a beautiful position for you as a general purpose guy who knows the score. Like, <laughs> listen, this is a person we just need to get him involved in the stuff and it'll all get better.
0: Yeah. And like the central thing and they keep telling me like at the interviews and like today when I went to like fill out the paperwork and blah, blah, like, they just want someone to get in there and like build relationship with kids and just be like, you know, be a, uh, you know, like a mentor and mm-hmm. a role model for them.
1: So is this so. the kind of thing that's been around? I don't feel like I ever knew anybody like that when I was in school. Is this a recent kind of thing?
0: You know, I didn't really either. And actually I, I've never heard of this thing either. I've been in education for a solid 10 years now and yeah. I've never heard of anything like this. Honestly, I just stumbled upon it when I was browsing Indeed for jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Hey, this is perfect."
1: That's a very cool initiative. So you're you're the only one of these at the school, too?
0: Correct, but uh, it's a whole company. It's called the the group is called Communities and Schools. It's a nationwide
1: organization.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but you're like attached to a school, so it's not you're not. You're not of the school. You're for another organization that is like attached to the school Correct. or serves the school.
0: But I will only be working at one school, yeah. It's
1: very cool. For now.
0: For now, that's the plan at least. It's just a little part time gig too. I'm only working like twenty hours a week, so that's nice.
1: I just feel like we uh we've abandoned our the cause of our podcast here.
0: <laughs> that's right. When we started this like six months ago, we were like Ah, we're not working, we're just gonna, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're two guys, we don't need jobs. Who needs jobs? I've got a sugar mama.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've been saving up for years.
1: (laughs) We don't need to work, but yet here we are. How quickly things change.
0: (laughs) And then we both kind of found
1: ourselves, sorry, go ahead. It was always in
0: my plan to get a job eventually. Yeah. It was just, you know, I was holding out for the right one.
1: I was delusional and ready to believe I would never work again. <laughs> See, um, if
0: I was in your situation and I had a sugar mama, you know, I would be totally, I would not work a day in my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then now that we both are working again, we still also found ourselves in situations where, like, we're not going to work 40 hours a week.
0: That's right. <laughs> it's
1: Who's going to do that? It's a pandemic. You gotta spend twenty five hours a week being terrified for the end of the world. After that, how much time is there really left to work? No, you don't feel that way.
0: No, no. Okay, I spend very little time worrying about the pandemic.
1: No, okay. Womp womp. <laughs>
0: sorry, sorry, Alex.
1: <laughs> well, in all seriousness, how did so you you were looking for something? part-time though something something less hours a week
0: yeah well I I still want to like start up my master's and I still want to look at getting into guidance counseling so like I don't want to stay in this job forever it's not maintainable like it'll I've already had the next like I always say I have two years where I really didn't have to work while I was getting my master's Mm. but uh it was I mean, I have to go back to work eventually. This is, sure. you know, a retire at 30. <laughs> <Right. of>
1: <laughs> but it is a good opportunity to like have fewer hours of the week, still get the chance to really figure out your long-term plans. Yep. Maybe yep. Squeeze in the masters while you're still doing this, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I don't know how much room there is for advancement in this organization, but uh, yeah.
1: You never know one day. You're going to be the senior vice president in charge of Indiana.
0: I mean, maybe. I'd be down. Be pretty cool. Yeah.
1: There's not really any room of advancement for, in my role either.
0: Making, making websites. N-
1: n- nameless coder <laughs> where so long as he keeps on completing tickets, he gets paid. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as he stops finishing tickets, we stop paying him, and then he doesn't come back.
0: <laughs> so, how many projects are you working
1: now? Two, one of which I'm I'm trying to get off my plate as fast as possible, which is always the case, right? There's always one you're <laughs> just trying to like finish it up, get it out there. Which I mean that they, they want that too. Um, it's it's kind of been a work me having limited hours and their designer feeling backlog and them not having some of the business questions really sorted out. And we've all been kind of like stroking our oar of the rowboat as we could. Right. Though we've not really had all three of them going at the same time in the same direction. And now the designer and I are kind of at the same rate and the business stuff is still lagging behind. But everyone seems to think we'd all kind of like this to be wrapped up by the end of October.
0: Um, well, yeah.
1: By, you know, there's no project manager here, so it's just me doing what I can. I'm, I think that's uh, possible, but, like, we're going to have to all kind of kick it into gear. But... <laughs> um, but that's fine. I mean, they're they're great to work with. They're awesome. It's not like it's a bad relationship or anything. So that that's those are the ones that are really tough. When it's like, not only is everybody unhappy, but we don't like each other anymore, and we still have to try to get this thing done. This this is not that. Um, it's just you know, from it, if you imagine you're, you're like the CEO of a company and you don't really touch any of this stuff, but you just hear this this project going on where you've got some web guy that is helping out, but he's not an employee, and your designer who's touching a lot of stuff like. It, if you're that person, just like, can't you just wrap that up? Can we just pay the invoice and be done? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's more the feeling that they've got, I think, is that they're kind of just ready for it to be done. And I'm like, well, for it to be done, we kind of have to keep going. But now then I've got like another contract that I'm doing. I'm basically an hourly employee. Um, so I'm doing 20 hours a week with them. And that's going great. Nice. Done about a week and a half now. And they're really easy to work with and very chill. And I think they maybe had a string of developers that did the classic developer thing, which is they go in a cave and sometimes they come out with like a ton of work. And mm-hmm. so it's like, yeah, you, have, you haven't heard from them in, in nine days. But then when, after that nine days is up, there's like a ton of work for them to show and go over and review. And A lot of it might be worthwhile, but yeah. then after four or five cycles of that, Now it's not nine days. Now it's 13 and half the work is bad. Like that kind of thing. And that's a very common cycle with developers. And so them having me come on and then just like, Oh no, I've talked to you and completed stuff every day for 10 days in a row. Now, like not a big deal. (laughs) And they're like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's going well. Nice. Nice. So did these projects, were you
0: actively looking or did they just kind of fall on your lap?
1: I fell on my lap, dude. Yeah. It's like, I, I do think that the whole speech about everybody needing to learn to code and how that's like going to save everybody's jobs is like teach coal miners how to code that, that is all kind of nonsense. Uh, but it, what is true is that there's still an absolute like hole in the market. they, mm-hmm there are so many web developers and so many people need more web developers and like they're they're not all going to be glamorous. Not everybody can get a job at Netflix or Apple or Facebook or whatever, but I mean, I can't get a job there, but like I'm making more than median income on these two contracts. Like yes. these two contracts will be more than enough for me and I'm getting to work part-time. Um, uh, and it's like pretty sweet, pretty I'm sweet, pretty jealous <laughs> <laughs> it but like, and the thing is it really was only it, it I had five pretty hard years to get to that, right? right, right, and so like a lot of like anybody theoretically could do that, but five hard years and something you don't genuinely like doing, yeah, that's probably not gonna happen, right uh, you have to still like enjoy. Tinkering on computers and you have to enjoy working in playing text instead of in, uh, like, you know, beautiful systems or analog systems or in the real world or, you know, making actual things. (laughs) Let's,
0: Let's back up a second. What is this? Let's. Teach all the coal miners to code. Is this like a movement? I've never. Heard oh yeah, absolutely. Say that before.
1: It's a thing, especially among like politicians that are trying to like find a way to get jobs in um, areas that have been really hit hard by economic shifts. Sure. Um, is they see holes like this where there's like, uh, I, I don't know what the actual number is, but let's just call it X number of coding jobs. Uh, if there's three hundred thousand coding jobs in the country available right now, and That's after we've already filled all the other ones. So there's just – we need 300,000 more coders overnight. Uh, Like they say, oh, all these people that used to work in coal mines and there's no more coal mining jobs, we seem to teach them how to code and then they can get a coding job.
0: That just sounds like the most awful idea ever. Right. Like, I mean no offense to blue-collar workers or anything but (laughs) – No, it's not an
1: offense to blue-collar workers. It's an offense to the politicians that think that they can just like snap their fingers and make that kind of thing happen. Yeah. yeah. Because it if anything, like it's definitely not offensive to blue collar workers because that that kind of statement is a saying, like, oh, you blue collar workers, you're you didn't figure out that you can just learn how to code and it solves all your problems. Like you think they didn't maybe think <laughs> hey, if I could get a job in tech where they pay really well, that'd be pretty sweet. I'm pretty sure a lot of them thought that. <laughs> 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 like Like, I don't know. You you didn't think that. I thought, oh, you know, if I could get a PhD, I could be a professor at a university one day. It doesn't mean that it just, like, works out that I get a PhD. That's
0: too funny. Yeah,
1: it's like these people also understand, but they are facing a lot of other forces that make that uh, very hard to do. And that is even after the point of if you wanted to do that, you still are, like – you're going to have to get through the hurdle of like, is this what I want to do with my career? And it, yeah, I really think it is like, I don't want to make a straw man here. So I'm not, I can't keep going down the the thread of like a a dumb politician, (laughs) but like, it's, I, I feel like there is a, there is a narrative out there from a lot of people looking at macro trends that kind of just think everybody needs to learn to code and coding. Well, fix all your financial problems. the, And I think, unfortunately, that came from people like me spouting off the line that everybody needs to code. Because I actually do think that everybody could stand to learn some code for something. Um, And it would be a good idea. In the same way that I think everybody should learn algebra. (laughs) (laughs) And I think everybody should learn how to read and write. (laughs) Like, in that same notion of, like, I I think everybody, once they understand, like, the underlying value of it, would would appreciate having been taught how to do it. They may not understand it while they're learning it, but later on, they could see the value to it. Um, Do you think
0: somewhere in the future, it'll replace, like, foreign language requirements? Um... Because a lot of people would consider it a language, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of bullcrap. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of the people that end up advocating for that, it's like an administration tactic. It's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, computer science programs wanting their students to spend more time on computer science. Mm-hmm. So they lobby uh, university administrations to count learning a computer language as a foreign language credit. Sure. Um i i don't believe in it that much in that way like i there there's maybe some, i'm not a linguist so there maybe is some kind of crossover like maybe you maybe learning these computer languages is similar to learning a foreign language on like a neurological level but i could tell you i've never like i i've been self-taught on every single computer language i know which i don't know as many as some people but like that's also ambition on my part lack of ambition on my part (laughs) Mm -hmm. i've made a pretty good living focusing on php and javascript (laughs) but um like learning foreign languages is very very hard to me (laughs) it's so hard and so i to me they just seem like totally different things so
0: i if i continued in like the music education world i always thought like a thesis idea of mine would have been comparing, like, learning music theory to learning a foreign language. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be a really interesting study to do. That
1: but that would be interesting. Can you say more about what, like, your hypothesis is of that? No. No? <laughs> you
0: know, <laughs> I have not put a lot of thought into it, because yeah. obviously I'm not going that route anymore. Sure. But sure. I always thought, you know, I mean, there's there's so much that you have to learn just orally and from this new terminology standpoint, mm-hmm. it's gotta be activating similar parts of your brain,
1: sure, and I think what there's probably a lot of research to be done there in the same way that like when children can become accustomed to a lot of musical ideas just by being experienced through it right they 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 exactly. listen to things and they try to mimic things and they tinker with things, and they don't care exactly. about right or wrong. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think that's like where the original idea came from for me. Cause like you could always tell when you have students who came from musical families, when mm-hmm. they just grew up around music, it's you know, they learn it like a language. It's just ingrained in them. Do you think
1: coding would be like that?
0: If a kid grew up with coding stuff?
1: I don't think no particular coding language would be like that. But there, I think we are definitely seeing more and more that like programming concepts are um, yeah. because we're starting to see more like toys built around logic gate kind of thinking.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: And we're, I think we're also going hmm. to, I think parents especially have always wanted to try to make decision-making better in their kids and programming really does still come down to a lot of decision-making like paradigms of like, so why do we look both ways when we cross the street? Sure. Well, it's because cars could be coming from both ways. And in general, you're going to have to account for how cars are coming. So if you could think of a better way to feel confident that no car will hit you, well, let's do that. (laughs) But this is kind of a good rule of thumb to start with is before you go in the street, look both ways. (laughs) Um, What we really just want is confidence that we're not going to die. And, like programming, it does not always have stakes of not die, but it is about um, trying to understand the environment that you're in and, and accomplish your goal 100% of the time. So the, there's kind of like decision-making and and paradigm-creating ideas that I think we are going to see more and more influenced by what is needed to make good programmers that will kind of enter in how we interact with kids as opposed to just leaving it at look both ways when you cross the street because I said so, right? Like, right. Yeah. like introducing this idea of like why do you think it is that we're looking both ways before we cross the street? What other kind of rules do you think would be good when we're de- when we're dealing with cars? Um, no kid obviously wants to have that conversation,
0: <laughs> but I think
1: fostering those kind of um, thoughts is definitely going to be more and more of a thing. There's an old joke that the kind of person you want as a computer programmer is the person that looks the opposite way down a one way street. <laughs> like yeah. just because they know, a, just because the car isn't supposed to be, they still might be coming from you from that way. So you better look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, like, I guess, yeah. That's like an example of why, like, I don't think the programming languages count as a language. Uh, you just because also the programming, the language you learn is actually really not important compared to some of the concepts. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the languages are developed after the concepts. Mm -hmm. That's why there's new languages all the time. People, I don't think people understand also how many new programming languages be kept, keep on being made. Like it just never stops.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I have no, like I have a, I have an idea. Like there's a ton of them. Like I can't keep track of like even
1: like the origins of any of them. Right. It's, just imagine if France kept on putting out new kinds of French in all the different regions <laughs> every year, <laughs> and so you yeah. could choose which version of French you're going to learn, and and then eventually you'll have to like deal with a cultural norm of people saying like, oh, nobody speaks uh, west of the Seine French anymore. Everybody speaks central Parisian French now. It's way it's way more stable. It's got a good community behind it. Like that's the kind of rationale people hide behind programming languages, but we can all agree that like you need to know why is a boolean exist and why is there a boolean in literally every language. Cool, that was a fun little segment. Fun, quote unquote fun. <laughs> You're making me work in my fun time. Jeez.
0: Content, Alex. That was legit content.
1: Content. The kids want content.
0: <laughs> You're on the content kick
1: mm-hmm. the last two
0: episodes.
1: Mm hmm. Gotta figure out my content. What's my personal brand? <laughs> I made a link where people can buy me a coffee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Has anyone bought you a coffee yet? No. Come on, listeners. Someone buy this poor man a
1: coffee. tech <laughs> There's a form where you can send me five bucks, and I will use it to buy coffee.
0: If someone sent me five bucks, I could
1: buy a 12-pack of root beer or seltzers. dot <laughs> maybe i can make a rootbeer.kibitzing.xyz <laughs> tell you what it's on my to-do list to do rootbeer.kibitzing.xyz so listeners <laughs> go to rootbeer.kibitzing.xyz send danny a few bucks he's going to get a pack of rootbeer he'll post about it on his fantasy football twitter if you do
0: i will i'll i will do that my fantasy football teams are kicking butt. By the way,
1: super happy with this year. I might to win some money. Woo! Is yeah. this still? Is it like a the dynasty league you've been in for a few years?
0: Oh, well, I'm in two this year. Mm. But yeah, one of them is that dynasty league. I've been in it. It's like six or seven years old at this point. How long do those normally go? Oh, I don't know. It's. It's hard to tell. This is the longest one I've ever been in.
1: Oh, you don't have to agree to a set length of time?
0: No. It's just, you know, as long as, like, we've had people come in and out. Ah. Like, there's, pro- there's 12 teams total, and there's probably about eight or nine of us that have been for the long haul.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the other three just kind of been rotating people.
1: Hmm. Yeah. How can somebody rotate in like, isn't like how, they have no past decisions to influence their current state.
0: Yeah. You just got to find somebody who just wants to play that bad.
1: So do they have to like take over somebody else's spot?
0: Yep. Yep. They oh. just inherit all their players. There was one year where we had two people leave the same year. And so we had like a little mini draft where they could, they just put all those players back in a pool and then mm. they drafted from those players.
1: Yeah, it seems like a rough situation because presumably people are more likely to leave if they're doing worse.
0: Yeah, but they, you know, you incentivize it, you know, you get when you're drafting rookies, Mm. they get they get the early picks and such.
1: And I guess the people that remain also just if they want to keep on playing, they got to do whatever they got to do to get more people in to keep playing.
0: Yep. It's not hard, though. I don't think we've ever had trouble filling spots.
1: Is there anybody that I know in this dynasty league with you, or is it all people from the internet? Your internet—it's just
0: random internet. I, I was—I was just on like a, a football forum and I found it. Nice. Yep.
1: One time I played a game of Arkham Horror online.
0: That wasn't that awful.
1: It was terrible. We died in six moves.
0: <laughs> and didn't it last for months a gate, <laughs>
1: or yeah it took forever it took like a month to play and a gate opened up every turn and we couldn't we just couldn't close a gate fast enough <laughs> it was the worst luck ever it was terrible I and I had to wait for like six months to get a chance to do it too <laughs>
0: that's too funny
1: we got to play Arkham Horror the other day
0: it was a really good time
1: there is something special about Playing a game that goes way too long over the course of an entire afternoon, evening. <laughs> that was that felt like a
0: longer session too. Like we did we stopped for dinner in the middle, but still.
1: Yeah. I think with Arkham that's kinda of to be expected though. That's what that's why I didn't know if we wanted to play two games, because then we could play a game, break for dinner, and play another game. Yeah. Or if we wanted to do a really long one where it's like, well, it takes what it takes.
0: Yeah. Because we probably played for it was it was a five hour game. Oh so
1: yeah, I mean. it was five hours for sure. I had a really fun time with it. It it seemed to pass by quick, but yeah, it was oh, yeah. it was a full five hours. Yeah. The so there's like an updated edition of that now, so it's impossible to get all the expansions that we're still missing. There's three big box expansions that we never got, and now they cost like three hundred dollars on eBay. Yikes! Yeah, I don't want them that bad. <laughs> I mean, you were pretty
0: serious into board gaming. For some years, and then we kind of replaced that with D and
1: D. Yep, once like that's what got people to come over consistently, and we got our group with D and D, and that's so I switched attention to that. Yeah, well, especially when we all decided to start playing Five E, and yeah. Burr and I basically said like, we're just going to start buying all the Five E books because we're here at the ground floor and our people are playing D and D, and she had she got rid of a bunch of three point five books to give us some starting money to do that, and a, a D book when it's new costs about the same as a board game
0: yeah
1: so we were buying a board game every other month or so and like D books come out every two or three months it's
0: a perfect replacement or one for one replacement
1: the board games just still really nice i in a lot of ways i actually prefer board games still but i like having people over and doing what people will do so <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't like convincing people to do things. Like, if you don't want to go over and play board games, I'm not going to try to convince you to. But when it worked out well for us to do that the other day, that was perfect. Yes. Grace did not like it. She's not a fan <laughs> of board games. Grumpy Grace. Grumpy Grace. She has a Pete the Cat board game, though. Have you ever played that with her? Um. I mean, I think we got it out once. We didn't really play. <laughs> yeah, it took her a while to actually be willing to follow the rules, but now she'll play it, but she's just too competitive. If she's not <laughs> winning, she is so quick to just leave. She will le- She will leave you to pick up the whole game. Like, that, that ends up becoming the whole lesson. It's like, you start the game, you're going to finish the game.
0: Yeah. I yeah. wonder where she got that from. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Touche.
0: <laughs> oh man, I did get pretty mad. I, I haven't been playing chess at all. Like, you know, I, I had spats where I was pretty serious about it over the past couple of months, but mm-hmm. like the past three or four weeks i haven't been playing at all haven't even i've been watching the youtubers but today i was like okay i'll, I'll get on and i'll play a couple games and i made through one and i was just rage quit <laughs> mm. it was not pretty was it bullet yeah it was bullet but like it was like a ridiculous opening that he was like moving his rooks up to like the second rank when it was nonsensical but he was just moving fast so i didn't have like the the time to like think about how to break it. Sure.
1: You know? And bullet, it's that's really if it's a real problem.
0: Yeah. And so that, that just made me so mad. I was like, I should have won this game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does kind of feel like the first time you play against somebody that does like hyper modern stuff and you've just never seen it before, it's like, why aren't you moving your pieces? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be that'd be even more enraging in bullet though. Like <laughs> I don't I don't know what you're doing. You're just wasting my time. We've got a decent game going.
0: We do. It's, it's gonna be interesting here.
1: You know why it's a decent game? I mean you gave up the pawn. Well, no, that was <laughs> <laughs> That's a legit opening. That was the Smith War Gambit. You're supposed <laughs> to lose the pawn. Why? Why? Why is this? That's a, a gambit. You.
0: Yes, I can. So why is this a good
1: game? I, I, I don't. I feel like I have not like already lost the game, and we're past the first ten moves. Like that's true. There are so yeah. many games we're, where we're at this like, point we're
0: like fifteen, now.
1: Yeah, and like I'm still down the pond but I've been taking aggressive positions, which is the whole point. Like, yeah. um. But the reason why I feel like I haven't lost the game already is because I took the Chess.com app off my phone, and I've just Ah. been playing on my computer whenever I happen to think about it. So, it's in situations where I'm actually, like, looking at... Instead of just making moves while you're walking your dog. Right. Right. (laughs) So, I hope you're enjoying that process.
0: I am.
1: Now, when you beat me, it'll be legit. (laughs) I wrote down from last time you mentioned something about meditation and I was like, Ooh, let's put a pin in that and come back to it. And we never came back to it. Is that a thing you want to talk about or? Nope. Nope. Okay. We're going to. I
0: started that book and then I didn't finish that book. Didn't even get like a couple chapters in.
1: Classic. Yeah. You know, I have no shame in putting aside a book. I'm ready to quit a book whenever I want. So usually I
0: put in enough like, uh, i want to say research that i'll know i'll, I'll stick with it mm-hmm. i usually just don't jump into too many random books like mm-hmm. if i'm starting a book i i know that i'm going to like it for the most part
1: for the most part except for that one about meditation that you didn't finish
0: except for the one i did and that's the one i didn't do any like i just picked it up on a whim and yeah
1: you're just feeling stressed right out that one.
0: day i don't i have no idea what it was <laughs> No, I haven't felt stressed out in months, Alex. It's amazing. Right. Right. (laughs) So I don't know why. Maybe I thought, hey, I I might be pretty close to the Zen thing. Let me just throw this in my life. Because I'm already close, right?
1: No. No. (laughs) There is no close. (laughs) So what's a book that you did read? Not a book that you quit.
0: I mean, I finished 1984. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit last episode.
1: Anything different like, upon finishing it this time?
0: Uh oh man, you're hitting me. I had some things I wanted to talk about, but I didn't write it down. I was thinking about this on my walk today. Hmm. Yeah, so finishing it, there were two things that like jumped out at me. As like I think you asked me last one, like how much of this feels like it's how much of nineteen eighty four feels like it's happening now? I think it's scary how close cell phones are becoming like the telescreens. Sure. Um, from there. Like it's funny that he thought it was gonna be TVs, but it ended up being phones. We're we're like one step away from telescreen phones. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then uh the whole concept of double think, it never really jumped out at me as much as it does now. <laughs> with some of the political uh, mental aerobics you have to do, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, the the whole sections on double think uh, were relevant. Have you have you read Nineteen Eighty-Four?
1: Not since high school, but I did in high school.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah there's the the whole third act is a nice little kind of like trying to whip him back into shape right right do you remember that much Mm -hmm. yeah and some of those explanations the double think explanations on the there are just like oh
1: that's what people nowadays are thinking right where there's i mean i i I can't voice it never mind i'm not gonna say anything but yeah i i it certainly put people into the um that frame of mind where they don't know whether they're mistrusting or if the mistrust is something that was put into them. And that was the whole point. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, are you being diligent or are you just being part of the sheep? The thing that I think about often from 1984 is the, the line about how, if you follow all the small rules, you can break the big ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a lot of my life. I follow a lot of small rules and I break the big ones. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alex, are you living a double life as a criminal that I don't know about?
1: I mean, one of the small rules is you don't talk about your double life as a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a like an onion headline of like millennials, f- fewer millennials living double lives as criminals. <laughs> 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 In startling numbers, fewer people are starting their criminal double life. <laughs> Uh, You just finished a book, too, didn't you? I finished two books, believe it or not. So last time we recorded, I talked about how I'd started A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor by Hank Green, which is the second book following an an absolutely remarkable thing. I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. And it was a total page turner. I think I read it in three or four days. It was very good and basically the the everything I didn't like about the first book was just not an issue in the second book. It was just wonderful from beginning to end, and it was a lot of it was because the narrative was told from the voices of all like the different primary characters like they they titled the chapters based off of who was narrating and so because you got to hear all the different voices better, and it wasn't just through dialogue. I think that freed up the author a bit um, that you didn't just have to hear everything in like millennial YouTuber voice because mm-hmm. that's how the yeah. first book is. Like it's millennial YouTuber voice for the entire book and mm-hmm. it gets kind of irritating. <laughs> um, But yeah, the, the plot is really good. It's very funny. It's uh, a delightful read. I think everybody would enjoy that book, but they, my hashtag, my mom was right got to read the first book to read the second one <laughs> yeah the second book is very good so nice. and then i read or I, I listened to an audiobook uh range by david epstein mm-hmm. i it was this was one of those books i that three or four different places i heard it recommended in like offhanded ways but all from people i enjoy their their hashtag content from <laughs> and so I went to the the Libby app from the library to see if they had it. And there was a hold. I had to wait for it on the book, but I could get it right away in the audio book. So I'm like, well, I'll get the audio book. So now I'm way behind in my podcasts, but I got to listen to an audio book. <laughs> and, and it was very good. Um, it, it's actually a very good counterpoint to some of the other stuff I've been reading about deliberate practice theory and, uh, you know the the focused hard work to achieve difficult rare goals that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. the The thesis of range is really that while deliberate practice theory has a lot of merit in how you get better at things, the idea that you should always be focusing on that as your as your large goal is probably more flawed than people realize. That even in the stories of people that have the, you know, they they put in 50,000 hours on getting good at something that in those 50,000 hours was probably a very diverse array of goals and attempted things and approaches. And the, even of the people that, who aren't like that, there's just way more people that do that diverse approach, but because it's not notable, it doesn't really get talked about. So the introduction of the book talks about the difference between Tiger Woods and Roger Federer, where Tiger Woods got a lot of complaint, uh, acclaim because his dad started teaching him when he was seven months old and, uh, kind of got golf shoved on him for his whole life, but it also fit well with him and it, everything lined up for Tiger Woods, right? And that was like a big story, but then Roger Federer didn't start playing tennis with any seriousness until high school. And up until that played all kinds of different sports and said he didn't like tennis and like tried to get good at a bunch of different things, but in general was just an athlete. So he didn't necessarily know he was going to go on to be the greatest tennis athlete of all time and really focus on it and really practice all the different elements of tennis. Um, at least not for a long time. First, he just was just a good athlete in a lot of ways and learned a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And that's, so it was a, it, the, the, this book got a lot of press as like a guide to parents even of like, you know, don't force your kids to play piano for 20 years and make them hate music for it. Let them just, you know, explore whatever instrument seems enjoyable at the time. Don't force them to start coding and then do nothing but code. Let them tinker and decide if they like, whatever hobbies they want. And if so, if they like coding, then also let them explore electronics and they might like engineering, or they might find that they like physics and they actually just liked learning the, the, how electricity is moving. Like who knows? And let them just kind of explore. And that diversity has a lot of value that just doesn't get praised because it's so hard to see sometimes, but it actually proves a lot of things. And then you could go through a lot of situations where that lack of diversity can be very dangerous. Um, and spoilers for the book, I guess. Uh, he talks about this case study that gets used in business schools a lot, but in just in general consulting things uh, too, where you can kind of get students to talk about this case study of a racing team, and you and you give them this chart of they there's like this new racing car they're going to do a race, and they stand to win. You know, millions of dollars and the big claim and all of that. They could if they do this race, but it's because they have this experimental new engine. That's what's putting them all ahead. And the chief engineer or one of the engineers on the team has a reason to feel like the engine might go bad, and they think it might have something to do with temperature. But they don't have all this temperature data. Blah blah. blah. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but it's very good. You should read this chapter one more time. Spoilers if you haven't read the book, and this sounds like a thing you want to read. Read the chapter. It's a good turns out chapter. The big thing uh, is it turns out the case study is based on the Challenger disaster that before the the night before the Challenger exploded, one of the engineers had pointed out this potential problem with the O-rings, which is what uh, caused the explosion. But they didn't have data on the conference call where they were bringing up the issue. But actually, if they explored it more, the data was there that they could have found the correlation to the problem and the the problem being that NASA, as a culture, had made it such that like if you can't prove what you're saying with the data and like so and undeniably put this through the process where everybody would have to agree to it scientifically, we're not really gonna trust your hunches and mm-hmm. so they had created this culture where everybody just had to act a certain way, and there was no diversity of thought or at least not enough and so when somebody did have this and then during the investigation they found that a lot of the engineers actually agreed but then on this infamous conference call because they didn't they also didn't have data to back it up and they weren't really sure how to proceed and they all kind of thought the same way they were all scared to like take the other engineer's side because that was like the way to be kind of outcast in the culture and so if they had scrubbed the launch all those people would have probably like kissed their careers goodbye basically and then the launches would have been scrubbed. And then they would wait for a warmer day and it would have all probably been fine. But uh, instead, they didn't scrub the launch, and, you know, people lost their lives and it was a terrible tragedy. And so it's the kind of thing that the real lesson is not that uh, in that call they did anything wrong so much as there was a, a disrespect for diversity of thought and communication within the whole culture of the organization. And if our leaders spend too much time thinking that we have to uh, always be following expertise in a single field on a single idea. And those experts need to prove everything beyond shadow of the doubt that we're probably losing a lot of really important thoughts in the mix of it. Um, yeah. So that kind of made a impact on me that there, there's a lot of respects for Diversity of opinion and thought, and cultivating that in yourself has a lot of power that's not to be forgotten, even while we're trying to be really good at something. So, good book. Really good. Yeah. Content. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we, we had basically lightly touched on the idea last time we recorded of maybe doing like a book club kind of thing. Were you still down for that? Heck yeah. My mom suggested a book. She heard our last episode and said, You all should read this dystopian novel. Um, yeah. Okay. So, listener, our uh, Kibitzing Dystopian Novel Book Club pick for the month of October is Station 11 by Emily St. John Mandel. Station Ooh-hoo. 11 by Emily St. John Mandel. So, we're going to talk about it uh, next episode. Uh, which is going to come out on the twenty eighth? Yes, twenty eighth. So you have until October twenty eighth to read Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Woohoo! We've been playing a lot of league.
0: Yep, I mean I feels like a lot to you probably but like this is my gaming
1: life (laughs) (laughs) this is what i do (laughs) it is more video gaming than i typically play i'm willing to admit that i understand this is not very much league especially not to people that play league but it's more than i normally get to play
0: yeah it's fun uh obviously just the hype around the the world's Tournament sure is a big contributor to that, and I probably spend more time watching than I do playing.
1: If we count having the games on in the background while I do other stuff, I've also spent more time watching than playing because I really do like having the games on. Yeah, sometimes I'll
0: watch intently, sometimes I'll do that too, just put it on kind of in the background. Depends on what game it is.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to watch the American team games more intently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: although that's kind of ended up being like i I watched i basically watched every game in the play-ins but a lot of those was with that was that background idea but now i've i pretty much only watched the american team games so far in the groups i mean uh, it's a
0: lot it's a it's a commitment to watch every game like that's like yeah. five
1: hours of your day yes <laughs> yeah i'm not and i'm not willing to commit that <laughs> <laughs> And the whole event, like, it doesn't end until the end of the month. It's, you know, it, t- yeah, it just takes that long to get through all this.
0: Yeah, we've just dipped our toe in it.
1: <laughs> it will be sad when all the American teams are gone, which is going yeah. to happen at some point.
0: Yeah, probably sooner rather than later, too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to. So you
1: texted me today. Today is October 7th, listener. That you were basically rooting for Team Liquid through the rest of the world, right?
0: Yeah, and I guess the intent behind that message was that I think they're the only ones who even have a slight chance of getting out.
1: Yeah, I, I want to ask you, do you actually think they're going to get out of groups? Or is that just who you think is going to be best from LCS Well, for the
0: record, I did the whole little playoff pick-on that Ooh. Riot
1: does on their website, and I did pick Team Liquid. Is
0: there a way for either? me to
1: see your picks?
0: Uh, I can probably send you a link, yeah. I don't have it handy, but I will do so. Um. But yeah, I I was rooting for TSM, but they have not looked good. Like even they they look like they're playing worse than they did in like the North American tournament.
1: Yeah, absolutely I, I very much agree. I, I, like I if think they were, were playing them and I felt the same way. If they were playing against like FlyQuest and Team Liquid, they'd probably
0: be losing to them too. Yes. It's not just because they're playing against better competition. They are. So they're getting it handed to them. It's mm-hmm. not even close. <laughs>
1: right. Well, Team Liquid, they look solid in play ins. They, like, that just seem yeah. like a completely different team than when, how they were doing in the North American tournament.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have so much experience. I mean, it's kind of a joke to call them a North American team. Do you realize how many of their players are imported yes, from other regions? Yes, I, I do realize okay. that. <laughs> okay. Yes, I do. <laughs> So it's kind of a joke.
1: But that's true uh, of all American sports. Like <laughs> <laughs> not football. <laughs> They're all from Texas.
0: <laughs> but yeah. I, I think there's potential. I mean they took a game off of G two, which was the second place team last year. Mm-hmm. And uh spoilers, right? That's a game I told you to watch. <laughs>
1: yes, but it's okay. I don't. I don't really mind. Yeah,
0: yeah. So they took a. That's a pretty big deal. Even just taking one game off of them, right? Uh, I think they have a legit shot.
1: Well, I hope that happens. I, I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm rooting for all the American teams, all three of them, for now. Yeah. So if it gets down, I'd be happy for one of them to get out of groups. And yeah, if it's uh, so that's going to be Team Liquid, I'll happily root for them.
0: Yeah, and then I usually will watch like when I know it's like some of the tournament favorites that are head to head. I'll try to watch those games intently too. Uh, like there's, uh, I think it's a, there's a Chinese team and a Korean team in the same group, uh, JDG and Damwon
1: Gaming. Yeah, and their
0: their game was really fun to watch.
1: I've watched a couple of the games with top esports, and they're one of the favorites, mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're like the number one seed coming in, if you want to say someone is the favorite. Yeah,
1: and they seem to just be crushing everyone.
0: Alex is getting a lot better at League, listeners. We had some pretty successful games.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm getting better.
0: The whole teaching Alex to play video games is definitely on the right track.
1: Here's how crazy it is. I've still not played Goose Game in 2 Goose mode. What? All my vegan container has been spent on League. <laughs> I haven't done two goose mode. Sad times. You know, there's another
0: game that I thought looked interesting. Have you heard anything about Among Us? No. Oh, it reminds me a lot of... Uh, God, what was that board game? It was like a Battlestar Galactica board game mm. we would play. Where you're like... Because Kirsten's a, a Cylon. Yeah, exactly. You're on a ship and you have like... There's crewmates like trying to sneakily kill the
1: other other people are trying to figure out who it is that is funny
0: yeah it's a it's like super popular right now
1: that Uh, this looks like very much my jam
0: (laughs) so if we once we get bored with league we might go play some among us that sounds great like it's only like it's five five bucks bucks Yeah.
1: yeah oh sorry it's pc only
0: oh no stupid apple person
1: yeah i know right I have to convince Burr to let me put it on her machine. (laughs) Bird just said, what?
0: That's wild that it's PC only.
1: In this day and age.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's insanely popular. Like, uh, I was talking to some of my former students who are not gamers, and they were were asking me, like, Pearson, you got to play Among Us with us. I was like, oh, what? (laughs)
1: It says that there's remote play on phone and tablet, so does that mean maybe somebody else can start the game and then I can still, like kind of like Jackbox?
0: I have no idea. I have not played it, but I, it looks fun, and everyone says it's really fun. So
1: The little videos I'm watching here on the Steam uh, page look awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, I am pumped for the idea of it. Enjoy cross-platform play between Android, iOS, and PC. So it looks like, maybe as long as you have it on PC, I can play it on my phone or on the iPad.
0: Mm. Yeah, so when we burn out on League, then we can
1: jump into that. Sounds good. That's a plan. I also still have it on my list. At some point, play Celeste.
0: Yeah, that one's a little more intense. Uh, It's it's a single-player game, too. Right, so... Sometime when you just want to. I I thought I really liked it because the gameplay is really fun mm-hmm. and the storyline's really
1: cute. I listened to the soundtrack at some point. That was good.
0: Yeah, the soundtrack's pretty good too. It's got a whole electro industrial vibe to it.
1: Yeah. I think there is um There is something in my brain that is appreciating video games more only because I think I've been doing a lot more attention to allowing myself free time for fun. Like it's worth (laughs) planning that out. It that's, that's my Zen project right now. You were reading a meditation book and quit it. And I'm trying to give myself time to play video games. (laughs) It's, which is basically zen meditation so basically, basically yeah
0: totally the same thing
1: that's why you quit the book you, you're, you're already <laughs> I told you it. I was already close to it yeah <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for teaching me zen I have found the zen <laughs> that link again
0: xyz. It's a Kroger brand A 12 pack costs like 4 bucks listeners, come on
1: <laughs> I'm gonna make a line out of it like, I'm just gonna use my FreshBooks thing like I did for my coffee one and the line is gonna be like a 12 pack costs like 4 bucks, come on That's gonna be the product that people buy <laughs> Beautiful